Canadian Premier League newsroom presented by Volkswagen. We are back. We are live on a Tuesday. I'm Charlie O'Connor-Clark hosting this week for Christian Jack, who's away in Halifax this week uh, doing some important stuff. And somehow we are through week 17 in the Canadian Premier League. I don't know how that happened, but uh, I was actually also away this weekend. So this podcast will be an endeavor in educating myself just as much as all of you about the four games throughout the weekend which were pretty special so just to to kick us off here really quickly let's get the schedule board up as we run through the results cavalry three forge fc nil on friday night eric Cobbs at willie accio and frazier aired from the penalty spot in a big win for the Cavs at home on saturday we had atletico ottawa hosting york united ottawa getting two goals from their captain carl howarth a late equalizer from diego espejo while york saw brian wright kevin dos santos and a nathan ingham own goal help them split the points vancouver and valor no scoring to speak of from that one on sunday afternoon in langley it's a nil nil draw between those sides and then we had our weekend wrapping up on the holiday monday yesterday in halifax at the wanderers grounds as halifax fall 2-1 to pacific fc pacific getting goals from tommy mayor jaguer josh hurd before halifax got got one back at the end from dan nimick but not quite enough for a natal day victory for them uh, and I think we're just going to have to jump right into it because, again, we need some of our, our cast of characters to help us uh, help us break down these four games. We are going to start with Mitchell Tierney. Friday night, you were covering the Cavalry Forge win for us. If you can remember as far back as Friday, I know it's <laughs> Tuesday. Uh, it's the Cavalry's first win over Forge in almost exactly a year. Uh, Mitchell, you wrote that this was a statement performance for Cavalry. Maybe tell me what you give this game out of 10 and what you enjoyed about it. Yeah, I'll give this one an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, I think it was an absolutely electric night at Echo Field. You know, pretty world-class free kick routine. We had backflips. Um, we had a horse that ran on the pitch. That didn't actually happen. Uh, I just wanted to see <laughs> if I could trick you while you were... Because <laughs> you were away this weekend. But um, uh, I think overall it was probably... Um, the most dominant performance we've ever seen Calgary play against Forge. And that's a pretty big deal for a club where, you know, this has been a club that's in Forge that's gotten a one over on Calgary on multiple occasions. So yeah, like Tommy Wilden Jr. talked about this match after the fact, you know, as a fan, this game had everything you'd want to see a Calgary fan. That is this game had everything you want to see. And, you know, the team just really delivered. They absolutely did, and, and I love 
I certainly love the backflips you're seeing on screen here uh, from Willie Akio and Goatee and Tigny. Uh, shout out Charlie Trafford for his little little cartwheel too. He <laughs> did better than I could, certainly. And to answer sure. Thomas's question in the chat about the best CPL celebrations of all time, um, for me, it's actually still in that same corner of Spruce Meadows where Jose Escalante back in 2019 ripped the corner flag out and rode it like a horse. <laughs> um, like top 10 electric moment in this league's history. And uh, I, I'm sure we'll have... Uh, some more great celebrations from that team to add to it. Uh, but before we break down a little bit more specifically on what was working for Cavalry, let's go back and hear Tommy Wielden Jr. break down, I think, one of those goals specifically. We actually challenged the guys tactically in a few ways uh, to give a different look of ourselves today, um, and they execute that. And the set plays, I've got to tip my hat to Leon Hapgood. He works um, meticulously with our video analyst, Daniel Hutchins, um, and that one goes for them because you see when, the, when we scored it, the first one was to celebrate with Cobza, but you see a lot of the players actually tip their hat to the coaching staff. And for me, that shows a really good culture because everyone's working together um, and they'll buy in now because I'm sure Leon will come up with some crazy one uh, next week. <laughs> if uh, Tommy says that Leon will come up with a crazy one next week, <laughs> I want to know what this one was because that set piece routine was one of the crazier well-executed ones that I've seen, a great goal. But Mitchell, you wrote in your analysis after this game that it was kind of a new attacking setup for Cavalry that was working really well for them. Uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about what that was and what that looked like and why you thought it worked so well for them. Yeah, well, a week after you know not scoring at all in the nation's capital, they kind of wanted to s switch things up a little bit and uh, took Joe Mason out, put Ali Moosey up top and you know they kind of had their their usual front four, but it was more what happened behind it that uh, that really made it dynamic. Which is um, they had Shemit Shom kind of playing as a you know false fullback, where he was a fullback when they were defending, but once they got into possession, he'd tuck into the middle, and then Jesse Daly could press up a little bit. Um, you know, both press the the forge back line, but also he could take some space away from Kyle Becker as well and play in between the lines. There was a lot to like in in what he did, and then. Uh, otherwise, they found a lot of joy in kind of overloading the the Forge left side, or I guess the Forge right side there, their left side with Gauthier and Signy there. Um, just his pace alone against Rezart Rama created a lot of problems and, and really pinned him back. But also the fact that, you know, they had Alex Ashton-Yodi Johnson start the match by stepping into midfield again. There's a bit of a gap there um, that Cavalry was able to exploit by by moving into that area. So. Uh, I liked all of that. And yeah, just a dynamic performance from from their front four and, and everyone in behind as well. Yeah, a very encouraging one, I think, for Cavalry for me, who have been very good this year and are very much in a title race here. They, they were first place until Pacific took it back for them on Monday. Um, but I don't know if the, the goals or they've had the depth of scoring that they would have wanted at a lot of times this year. So that's encouraging to see with Meyer Bevan suspended as well. Uh, Mitchell, before we get into Forge, though, let's go into your you know, specific list of, of greats and standout performers in this game, because I feel like there will be a few probably primarily from Cavalry. <laughs> yeah, I think they're, they're honestly all from Cavalry in a three nil match, but uh, go to Antigone, the, the obvious choice here, you know, he won penalty for the third, third goal, um, set up the first goal. I think our leading candidate for, for under 21 Canadian player of the year, given his recent form, um, Camargo, the way that he can just drop into those pockets of space and just connects everything in that attacking unit is just so important. And he was fantastic at that in this match, creating three chances. Uh, Bobby Smirniotis went out of his way to to give some kudos to Dan Klomp. So I will as well for, for his defensive effort. And, you know, um, 
player who's probably up there for, for defender of the year as well. And then, you know, Jesse Daly in, in the midfield, um, just excellent work in, in kind of a new role and, and adapting to that. And finally, you know, Willie Accio, anytime you do backflips, uh, you'll, you'll end up in my list of greats. Uh, that, <laughs> that goes without saying. So uh, his goal as well was, was really well taken. I want to see more crazy celebrations for like defenders and stuff because I feel like they they are also really athletic and can do stuff like that, but they don't score a lot of goals. So I want to mm-hmm. see like a, a really big tackle and somebody stands up and does a flip. Uh, anyway, uh, you mentioned <laughs> Willie Accio. I think that's his third goal against Forge now in the Canadian Premier League. Uh, he, I believe, spoke a little bit about that post match. So let's go back to Spruce Meadows and hear from him. It's always big. Every every match we have against Forge, it's always a very close match, very tight match, and. You know, Forge is a really good team, and you know we just knew we had to come out and really perform, play 90, 97 minutes, just stay focused. And Tommy put out a really good plan, and we just executed very, very well. And myself against Forge, you know, I score quite a few times against them as well. So it's sometimes a little bit personal. So I had to come out and play my best game. Yeah, I definitely think one of his goals against Forge when he was with Valor was quite the belter. So go go look that one up. Um, as for Forge, though, we're gonna start. Uh, by giving them the first word, we'll go back there and we're here. We'll hear what Ali Hajabarpour had to say, and then maybe we'll discuss if we agree with him or not. Yeah, obviously disappointing to start the second half giving away a goal in the set piece. Uh, we thought going in, going into the first or the first half was okay. We we did some good things. We had some good chances. Obviously, the game was a little back and forth. Both teams were kind of in the game, and then to give away maybe a. Not a cheap goal, but a goal that you kind of don't want to give away on a set piece, kind of sets things in motion. And then we stopped defending a little bit, and they scored another. And then we're kind of chasing the game. The game becomes open, and then a third one is possible. Um, just disappointing. Obviously, we're going to look back on, on the game and see how, how it went uh, from a different view. But from, from the field, they just felt maybe they wanted a little more than us tonight. Maybe they wanted it a little more than them tonight. That is an interesting, interesting comment there. Mitchell, do you feel like that was the case? Maybe tell me what you saw from Forge in this game and, and maybe what what Cavalry was stopping them from doing, what they wanted to do, and, and what wasn't working for Forge. Um, well, well, first and foremost, I just wanted to quickly comment on, on Willie Accio and that goal against Valor. Uh, he had a moment where he, he almost did something similar and Forge definitely remembered that as well. Cause they just hacked him down immediately in the midfield <laughs> when he started dancing through some guys. So, uh, they, they remember that uh, super well, but, um, I think Bobby Smirniotis actually put it, put it great when he said, you know, they weren't hungry enough defensively ca- comparatively. Um, you know, they had some good moments where they were able to play through the, the cavalry press um, and, you know, create some, some chances while doing that. But, you know, when you allow a goal like they did on, on the set piece where yes, it was a brilliant routine, but they switched off a little bit in, in their coverage and, and allowing uh, forge to, to do that and allowing them to get that cross in um, from, from Antigny out wide. And then, you know, the, the Accio goal as well. Um, they really switched off on that one, just allowing him to, to walk in there. So it wasn't the usual, uh, forged defensive performance I thought um, and I think that that created a lot of issues for them where you know Calvary didn't have to maybe <laughs> open it up as much up top because they were already a couple of goals up and, and forged you know struggled from there so yeah I, I think that um, overall I think it was defensively that that 
things kind of let forge down in, in this one. And, you know, uh, another lesson for them in terms of going on the road and may, maybe defending a little better and being defense first. Yeah, this, I mean, it, it hasn't been an easy season for Forge. That they've had some tremendous ups and some concerning downs at times. But Bobby Smyrniotis is, is never one to get particularly high or low in the course of a season. So maybe we'll go back to Calgary one more time and we'll just hear the thoughts of their manager. They've, they kept a few more players higher up the field with uh, with Camargo and a little bit of a different setup. And Camargo does a great job playing uh, playing between the lines and drifting places. So, you know, in the first 15 minutes, he he, he posed problems um, for us, and, uh, and that's the beauty of the game. Each team each team is trying to do that. Um, of course, when uh, when the first goal has gone in, it's uh, we're going to open up and play a little bit uh, play a little bit more. Uh, with that always comes risk and with risk comes uh, the ability to be scored on again so I think that's what's happened today very quickly before we do get to what's next I think this is a great question from Thomas in the chat about does Willie Accio stay in the front three for Cavalry when Bevan's back they've got Intigny they've got Ali Moussi uh, they've also got other guys like Joe Mason that need to play minutes uh, I mean Sergio Camargo can play in behind there but they might kind of put him in a three occasionally what are your thoughts, Mitch? Do you do you kind of shake them up? Does Accio stay in there? Oh, it's so difficult because I think Camargo has to stay in the middle, just given what he he's done. And then you know, I think Ali Musi has to play out right. So, and with what Intigny is doing, I I honestly think he might come out just uh, once Bevan comes back and you go Bevan, Intigny, Camargo, and uh, Musi. But it's a good problem to have, and I do think you know. Like in this match, there'll be different problems that will present themselves over the course of the season. Um, the other thing is they're playing, and we'll get ahead to this, but they are playing Balor, obviously, which is uh, Ekio's old club. So um, there might be a, a bit of extra impetus to get him into this game. But I think as it stands right now, um, unfortunately, again, nothing from what he's doing. It's just what others are doing. I don't know if he starts in, in that front four right now. I think you're probably right. And I think if the if the playoffs started maybe not today, but, but in a couple of weeks, I think that you probably would go back to what had been working before just because you work on a, a larger body of work, right, for when you need it the most. But again, I, I don't think that there's a problem with having somebody like Willie Accio or Gote Intigny, whoever it is, on the bench because they're such dynamic and explosive players that you know not only can they come in and do an incredible job in maybe the last 30, 35 minutes of a game, but if the guy who does start knows that they've got someone to come off the bench like that, then he knows that he has to make a bigger impact and maybe a shorter stretch as well. And there's just a little bit more energy in that cavalry team there. But we move on. Mitchell, tell me, what are both of these clubs up to next week? Uh, well, I mentioned it a little bit. Cavalry, they're heading to, to IG Field um, to take on Valor um, in the opening match of you know this upcoming slate of weekend fixtures on, on Friday. And uh, Forge, they're hosting the, the final 905 Derby of the season on, on Saturday and one that obviously will be very big considering, you know, where both these clubs are in, in terms of the, the playoff race. So that's going to be uh, one of the matches you're going to want to, you know, for sure tune into um, or go to if you have that opportunity this weekend. Absolutely. You should definitely not miss that one. All right, Mitchell, we are going to have you back on at the end of the show to bookend us with the Halifax Pacific game. But until then, you can go and... I don't know. You can go have a coffee or, or you can watch us talk if you want for the next uh, half hour. But uh, with that, we are going to substitute you out. and We are going to bring in Benedict Rhodes, who was our correspondent this week for the Atletico Ottawa and York draw, where we got 
bit of a thriller in a, a six a six goal tie. Lots of goals. The ninth draw between these teams in 13 CPL meetings. Benny, tell me kind of what happened in this game because again I, I missed it uh, and you're rating out of 10 yeah what happened in this game there the six goals there's you know brian wright scored his first goal this season at, at long last you know took him it's the 19th game of the season i believe for york and he still was missing that first goal so it's good to see him finally get his first one under him and uh yeah, there's a weird own goal as you'll see in the highlights of watching on youtube no one's quite sure how it ended up in the back of the net but it did <laughs> um see york, york benefited from that you know carl howarth rolling back the years playing as, as well as I've ever seen him play. Um, and, you know, out of 10, you know, out of Thomas in the chat, uh, been asked, asked me on Twitter for a 10. I'm leaning towards, you know, the, the 9.5, 10 range. And this was, this was an exciting game. Had a bit of everything and, and you know, can't ask much more than that, really. Okay. Okay. I See, for me, I think it can only be a 10 if there's a winner. I think I think a draw yeah. at the end of a game maybe just, just takes that last little, like, you're not quite as satisfied at the end of the game as a neutral if nobody's won. Uh, but I'm sure both of these teams are... Well, maybe we'll get into that. Which of these teams is happier with the point? I uh, I think we'll start with Ottawa, Benedict, because you wrote in your analysis that this was a point gained rather than two lost for them. They claw back into it twice. Tell me a little bit how you saw them adjust after going down both times to find a way back into this game. Yeah, something that's impressed me with Ottawa... All season, especially you know, even the last two seasons under Carlos Gonzalez, has been their sort of ability to not really panic under pressure. I think, you know, sometimes when you go down, you know, one nil or two nil, you have a tendency to kind of, you know, worry and, and maybe make some sloppy mistakes. I guess trying to, you know, get back into the game rather than play the football that you're good at playing. Uh, I think a credit to this Ottawa side, they they played as, as they they know they can play, which is you know, hit teams on the counter attack, play through the midfield. Uh, be defensively sound first and then worry about the goals. And, and that's something that they did and kind of chipped away and chipped away and, and, and pressed high up the pitch. And they sort of played the football that they, they're good at playing uh, rather than trying to, you know, force something to try and find a, a quick goal. So uh, I think that's credit to them. And, and that's definitely something that I think, you know, like I said, point gained rather than two loss for them because they were down 2-0. They should have been down 3-0. Uh, Brian Wright hit the crossbar from inside the penalty area. Should have had his second goal of the game. And, uh, yeah, definitely a point gained, I think, for, for Ottawa in this game. All right, and we will now go back to TD Place, I think, and we'll get Carlos Gonzalez's thoughts and see you know, if, if, he, if he agrees with you, Benedict. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is, at the end of the day, a positive point because they, we were nil 2 uh, near the, the end of the first half. So we have to take it like that. Also, in the second half, we went back to the 2-3 situation. So we bounced back twice. Uh, positive things. Uh, I think we started well. I think the first 15, 20 minutes were quite good in which we imposed our idea. After that, we started to do things that we shouldn't. And uh, we had 15 terrible minutes in which they scored the two goals, they created more chances. And after we were capable to, to, to stabilize ourselves again and the last 10 minutes of the first half and the first 15 minutes or 20 minutes of the second half were, were quite good. As you say, uh, ups and downs in, during the game, a game that you are always behind of it, so you have to catch the game. And this makes in certain moments that you are not organized, that you lose certain things that makes the game go into details and into craziness. So, yeah. Uh, we can be satisfied for, for the point. 
Turned out he did agree with you. And, and I knew that because I had seen the clip already, but there had to be some kind of suspense. But we also saw a little bit of leadership in this game from Carl Howarth, who means so much to soccer in Ottawa and to this club, taking the captain's armband this year, finding his way back into the lineup after injury and playing some of his best football, I think, at the moment for this club. Uh, it's always fun to see him at the top of this, of his game. Uh, he was asked after this game which of his two goals he liked more, which one meant more to him. So let's go back there and see what he had to say. I think probably the first one. I think that was, uh, we were under the cosh a little bit there. We were struggling, um, and it kind of brought us out from, from that and, and gave us the chance to go on and get back into the game. So for what it meant to the team, uh, probably the first one and uh, cheeky little nutmeg there as well. So that was, uh, that was nice. So, yeah, I scored a, scored a few free kicks in my day, but that, that first one was nice too. Cheeky little nutmeg. I think Carl Howarth saw what like Leo Messi has been doing recently, and he's like, I can do that. That's that's easy. I'll do that. Uh, York. There are some bright spots in this game. They scored three goals. That's not something that they've done a lot this year, so that's huge for them. But it's two painful, pa- excuse me, painful, blown leads from York United in this game. Benedict, what did you like about them that allowed them to get those leads, and what did you not like that you know led to them squandering them? I think their their movement in this game was really good. You know, on, on the right wing, especially Clement Bahia was was fantastic, especially in the first half. Uh, it was a bit of a mismatch speed wise with McDonald Neba, and and they took full advantage of that, playing in behind and and making some good runs to the byline and crossing the ball into the box for first first for Wright and second for for DeSantos. And both those goals were were very similar. And, and you know they found a game plan and they stuck to it. Um, I think they're very direct in this game too. And some of the runs into the box were were good, like Brian Wright on his first goal. Made that sort of late run undetected, ran right through the defenders like they weren't even there and, and tapped the ball into the back of the net. So I think they're they're finding a, a confidence, I guess, and, and they're hoping that for Brian Wright that can continue with you know Saza Di Rosario for, for a month now. They're gonna hope that Brian Wright can, can sort of keep that up and, and and sort of find his form um and go on a bit of a run as you know, they look to to make a late push for the playoffs, I guess is they're currently in a spot, but won't be easy with Halifax around their tail as well. Yeah, it certainly won't be easy, York. Uh, in a three-way tie on points, at least for fourth place with Atletico Ottawa and Halifax, uh, it is going to be pretty tight down the stretch and a lot of fun. We don't have a clip from Martin Nash, unfortunately, because of some audio issues at TD Place, and I don't know. There's there's a lot going on there at times, but we do have one of York's defender, Tas Mordakudas, who was asked if he felt after this game that York maybe should have held on and won this game. Absolutely, I think we're, we're definitely looking at it that way. Um, you're right; it's a it's a tough, a tough blow um, against a good side who, who's had a really good run of form at home as of late, especially. And um, look, we're, we're happy that we were able to score three goals. To be honest, in the game, that's a, that's an important important milestone for us because we've we've struggled to score kind of three goals in in games this season. Um, goals haven't come, you know, as easy. So to show that kind of touch has been has been nice and promising for, for future weeks. So there's definitely a lot of positives to take, but like you mentioned, um, a little bit disappointed inside to, to know that we could have could have got three points out of that one for sure. Could have got three points out of that one for sure, he says. Uh, there might be more, uh, you know, you know, attackers in our category here than, than defenders if we pick out our standouts. Uh, only two players in this game in the team of the week, actually, and we'll, we'll see if you... Are able to name them here you do i think you know who's in the team of the week but we'll see if you get there and agree but uh who benedict for you individually stood out as as worthy of recognition from this game yeah on the york side things i was thinking about you know clam on by you i thought he was fantastic brian wright gotta give him some credit for 
his movement in this game, had one goal, should have had a second one as well. Uh, and Kevin Dos Santos was, was really good as well. He scored another goal, and he's pretty electric down that left side for York. And then on the Ottawa side of things, uh, Carl Howarth, of course, you know, can't beat getting two goals. I think he's the only player to do that this weekend. He was fantastic. Uh, Diego Espejo scored a big goal late on as well. The defensive performance, again, they, they allowed three goals, but I thought overall, you know, he had a, actually had a pretty good game uh, at center back. And uh, Alberto Zapater, we, we keep talking about this guy, and rightly so. You know, he he's just a, a destroyer in midfield. He, he kind of lets players run at him because he knows he can he can tackle them. And I think that's a, a confidence and a, a defensive solidity that his team really needed, and I think he's, he's really providing that for them. Yeah, I, I think so too. It's a lot of pretty fun performances in this game and plenty of quality on both sides. Uh, Benedict, what is coming up next for both of these two teams? Because, you know, the, the table's getting tighter and, and points are getting more and more. Well, you know, they're always the exact same value. You can't say they're more valuable later in the season, but maybe a little bit more desperation, I think, at times for these teams to keep pace with the rest of the league. Benny, tell us what is coming up for York United and Atletico Ottawa. Yeah, two big ones next weekend, All both of them playing against other playoff teams. You know, Forge uh, hosting York on, on Saturday at TD. Uh, no, sorry, not TD Place. That's in Warren's Field um, at 7 p.m. On, on Saturday, and that should be a huge one. And then on Sunday, Atletico Auto travel to, to Langford for a, a game against Pacific FC. Big one that they could maybe close some ground at the top of the table as well. So that should be a big one as well. That is a big one. That's a lot of fun. Uh you know what, Benedict? Do you want to, do you want to stick around with us for a little bit and talk about this nil nil in Vancouver as <laughs> as we are a little bit early for uh, our good friend AGR to get here? So uh, maybe we'll just we'll just jump into it a little bit. We'll start bringing up the highlights, and you know if if AGR joins, we'll all three break it down. But uh, I didn't see this one, and I think it's maybe the only game of the weekend that I regret or don't regret missing. <laughs> if if that makes sense, it's a nil nil. Uh, Benedict, I know you watched this one and. Uh, Tell me what happened in this game. Tell me, tell me why it was nil nil. It was a nil nil, partly from some great goalkeeping from Ryan Yesley, and partly because yeah, neither of these teams are, are this season particularly good at fishing their chances. You know, both these sides have, have struggled for goals this season. Valor now have thirteen goals in eighteen games, uh, which is you know not good enough for a team that wanted to make the playoffs this season for the first time. And uh, you know, this is just a you know a game where there's a lot of missed chances and, and neither team could really capitalize on the few chances that they, they did get, which is unfortunately has been the sort of the story of the season for both of them. Yeah, I think so. I think both of these teams are, are maybe, you know, Vancouver lately have, have been able to find a little bit more quality in the attack. They've brought guys like Diaz and, and Mickey Kentav uh, into that side and, and they have looked a lot better, but I guess maybe this is just one of those games where it just doesn't fall for them. Uh, not quite, at least. Um, let's go back there and, and just hear some of the thoughts of the cast of characters around this game because there were plenty. So maybe we'll start by getting the overall take on this game from Vancouver's coach, Afshin Kofi. I'm very happy with the performance of the team, especially in the second half. Um, obviously, we're not happy with the results. Uh, I expected us to get more out of the game. And uh, I think we created enough chances to win the game. And it's unfortunate those chances didn't... Uh, convert to goals, um, and uh, but with so many uh, new players in the group, uh, the team is a much much better football team. Uh, we can control games, we can play the football we want to play. At least the closer version of it that that, that we've had before. Uh, now it's a matter of the time to, uh, to integrate and 
in those final moments, in those final touches, in those uh, final areas of the pitch uh, to, uh, to, to make them into goals. Um, again, I'm happy with the performance, uh, but I'm really sad that, that we didn't get the three points. Happy with the performance, sad they didn't get the three points. Uh, I think this was a this is a really tough game for both of these teams to drop points in, right, Benedict? We talked about it a little bit before the game uh, during the week and, and whatnot about how these two teams are, you know, the, the rest of the pack are kind of slipping away from them a little bit. I, I think that puts Vancouver 11 points out of the playoffs, Valor 8. Uh, certainly not impossible for either team. They've both got 10 games left, but... Does this feel like a game, Benedict, where if one of them had had taken the three points, particularly if Valor had taken the three points, they might have you know, felt they were in a bit more of a race, but I think they're maybe finding themselves a little bit adrift of that top six right now? Yeah, I think, I think the time for being happy with performances and not happy with results is, is kind of over for these teams. You know, like they're, there's, there's, it's crunch time now. These teams have to start putting some points on the board, and 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 both of them failed to put the, the full three points in this game, so... Uh, I think Valor in particular, like you said, will probably be a little more disappointed knowing that they are still closer than Vancouver, I guess, when it comes to in touching range of the playoffs. But uh, at the same time, both these teams, I think that was probably the game that both of them had to win um, in order to, to really keep keep track, I guess, with the teams above them. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right. It's a disappointing one, no doubt. And, you know, again, a, a game where Vancouver's very young defense continues to grow. It's another clean sheet for them. But the goals aren't there at the other end. Let's uh, let's go back again to Langley and just get the thoughts of Vancouver's striker, Sean Hundal. I thought it was good. I think uh, we, we started off slow. Uh, first half especially, I feel like we, maybe got, I got two shots. I think that was only two shots in the first half. Didn't hit the target. Um, I, but I think coming in the second half, I thought we did a lot better. Um, got into the game more, created a lot of chances. Uh, they're, they're keeping me at a lot of saves, but I feel like it's a step in the right direction. Um, we got a point today, and hopefully we can go on a little run getting points and and moving up in the standings. Uh, we will break down Vancouver a little bit more in a second, but let's also get the thoughts of Phil DeSantos. Maybe let's look at these teams together, uh, because Phil DeSantos equally probably quite frustrated with this game and his team's difficulty scoring uh, in recent weeks. So let's go back one more time to Langley and see what Valor's head coach, Phil DeSantos, had to say. We still gave some chances to the opposition. I think we limit limited to, uh, to a lot of crosses um, from wide areas or a few uh, situations where we didn't deal well with the transition moments or we could have kill, killed the action earlier. But it was important to, to get at least something in a game that's going to be more and more difficult. I think that for teams coming here, um, it's going to get more and more difficult because of, one, uh, the nature of where Vancouver is today, a bit like us, every game is a desperation game. Um, and then also the fact that, uh, undeniably, the team got better. They added pieces that are going to make the team better. So that was the positive thing. Another clean sheet was a positive thing. But again, it's the type of games that Right now, where we're at as a team, we need to try and win. Benedict, you look really different, man. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, some some happen, a little blink, a little something, a little something, right? Yeah, <laughs> some kind of in, insane magic transformation. But anyway, AGR, you are here. We uh we talked a little bit about this game, but you are truly our expert on this one. You were there in Langley and wrote all about it. All we need to know, so everybody can go to campiel.ca to read about it. Uh, since we just heard from Philip Dos Santos, though, AGR, let's start with them. Tell me a little bit about. What was frustrating them in this game? Was it some bad luck with the finish? Was it you know, a bit of an, an impotent attack? Was it Vancouver's defending? Just tell us uh, why they've been struggling to score, specifically in this game. Yeah, it kind of feels like a bit of everything, right? Um, yeah. Something where, you know, the, in midfield, they couldn't get the same rhythm they're usually getting. Uh, I think credit has to be given to Vancouver because Vancouver almost played like off the ball is almost like a four at times with how Vasco Fry was kind of on the left wing, but tucking in centrally out, out of possession. And I think that was surprised because Valor kind of had pretty much what is their best choice midfield lineup. It feels like between uh, Dante Campbell, Diego Gutierrez and Marcelo Polisi, three players that are good on the ball and, and Vancouver did a good job of disrupting that flow. Then out wide, Pacific Nyonga Beer just couldn't get anything going against James Cameron. And I think credit has to be given to Cameron for handling that threat. Um, but at the same time with Valor, they have chances. Like, I think it's just something where the Walter Ponce chance, I think it can, in the first half, that has to go in. It's just something where it came out of nothing. It was almost like a, it was a shot from Keon Williams. The ball falls for you. You hit the post. And I think that's just kind of the, the story of Valor's season. I think that was, I mean, Phil DeSantos put it so well in his post-game because I mean I asked Phil about it kind of have to at this stage and he was like yes it's it's the story of our season at a certain point it's not luck because I I mean the stats Mm -hmm. say I think Valor's up to now they've they've scored six goals less than expected like that is an underperformance of all underperformances but like Phil says after 18 games it's not something where you can be like ah this is a 5-10 game stretch we're gonna turn it around we're gonna change and it just feels like something's wrong up front that's what it feels like it just feels like for whatever reason, there's the pieces are all there, but they don't necessarily fit. Like when they want the nine to get a little, to stretch the field, they have someone who can hold it up. When they want a bit of hold up, they have someone who can stretch the field. Like it just always feels like the striker and the front line is on a different wavelength. And it just kind of leads to these performances where they don't play that bad. It's a road performance. They have a clean sheet. They get their chances, but you're sitting there thinking like, even then it's still hard to say that, you know, a nil-nil still felt like a fair result. Yeah, yeah, I think it did. Troubling, certainly, for the team from Winnipeg. Before I get your thoughts on Vancouver, AGR, let's just go back there one more time and hear from a Valor player, who, because Ryan Yesley, I think, had some, some good thoughts after this game because he was a busy man, I think, in this one. This is my job. I'm, I, can't, I can't score, and, and the strikers can't really defend necessarily you know, directly for me. So I'm just trying to bring everything that I, that I have to the table, staying focused on what I can do to help the team. And then I think everybody is doing that, that too. So it's only if we all do that for sure, it's, it's going to help the team. But yeah, it's it's definitely frustrating when you when you have a good team performance, but you can't really get that win. Frustrating indeed. And to be fair, he says I can't score and the strikers can't defend. I've seen Ryan Yesley. He's very tall. I think if you stuck him in the box at the end of a game on a corner or something, he could score. Uh, maybe maybe that's what needs to happen. I that. He's, he's a pretty tall dude, man. Um, okay, back to Vancouver, though. Benedict talked a little bit about them and, and 
their performance. But AGR, you wrote a little bit about a bit of a shape change and, and some tactics for Vancouver. You've already alluded to them a little bit, but tell me what this performance looked like for Vancouver and, and maybe what you liked or didn't like about it. Yeah, I think uh, probably the big one is it was a professional performance. And I think we're seeing a bit of a growth, a bit of maturity in this Vancouver side that they've honestly, I think despite the results, this has probably been their best four game stretch of the season. At least it feels to watch. Um, and it's just something where you can see the new pieces of immediately plugged holes. They got that experience now in midfield in particular. I think that was a big surprise because look, this Valor midfield group is solid. They've been controlling games against top teams. The fact that Vancouver earlier in the year, he's sitting there thinking they're getting destroyed in midfield and sometimes in games with just, you know, they have a lack of natural options. And now they bring in Garcia. They got Vasco Fry. You know, Gabriel Batar was playing a bit deeper at times. They were able to go toe-to-toe with Valor, and that's huge because it gave them a bit more uh, control of the game. They disrupted the flow. They were able to make things frustrating for Valor, uh, and for Vancouver, it, I think those are the sort of steps they needed because you know they have the quality in the attack, that you know they had the defenders, but they kind of needed something in the middle to kind of tie it down, and we're seeing the defense benefit from it. And I think it's only a matter of time that the goals start falling because they're getting chances. I like guess it's, it's it's not a matter of sitting there and being like, Vancouver's creating nothing. Like Sean Hundall could have had a hat trick with some of the chances. Alejandro Diaz had a great look. Rocco Romeo had the game on his head in the last minute. Uh, it's something where it feels like it's all coming together and there's just been mature performances. And I think that's that's worth building off of because early in the season it was flashes, but it was just inexperience. It was sloppiness. It was wide open games. And I think, you know, we're, we're seeing a little less of that naivety despite the recent results where, again, I mean, you look against Calvary, maybe the red card didn't do them favors. Uh, Ottawa away a couple of weeks ago, like Ottawa away is a tough match for anyone right now. Yeah. Like they've gone in all these tough scenarios and have done well and have, accounted well it just really the results been the one uh, the thing that's eluded them yeah i think so and we have to remember with this vancouver team that they're an expansion side and they are figuring out a lot of a lot of things on the fly you know everybody as a staff are and, and and the players certainly are uh coming together and this team has been slowly surely evolving and growing and they've been adding more quality to the squad in the last few weeks and you know this is a long-term project there this is not going to be you know, this was never going to be an easy season for them, and it certainly hasn't been. Uh, Alex, you singled out James Cameron at fullback in your match analysis, but you know, tell us a little bit about him specifically, and then who else from this game stood out individually that deserves, you know, a little, little special credit for this game. Yeah, I mean, uh, shout out to to, to James Cameron. Um, certainly, he's he's been someone who. Who's made a name for himself? I mean, certainly he made a name. He's got a name that you know when he came into the league. Yeah, you remember James Cameron? I mean, how could you not, uh, given all the movie <laughs> references? But certainly, he's he's shown that he, he he can play at this level. And I think again, the biggest thing for me is 18 years of age. That's just it's wild. And he's a winger. This is someone who's figuring it out in the fly. And I just think for for me, over the last few weeks, some of the challenges he's gone up with, he's had to deal with the likes of Ali Musi, John Anil Hasi. Uh, you look at as well some of the threats Halifax has. Now you go up against Pacific Neon Gabir and you can look across those four games and be like, you know, he's mostly got the better of a lot of those battles. And it's just just the tenacity, it's the speed, it's the desire. And I think Afshin Gopi mentioned it as well. He highlighted him after the game just saying, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is someone where it's fearlessness. He's 18, first professional season. He's not a defender. You throw him in, he's responded to, to the challenge. And 
that's huge. Vancouver needs that from, from youngsters. That's going to help their growth curve. That's going to help their development. You can only imagine what a guy like Cameron can do next year, for example, if you're going to look ahead to that with, the, with this year of seasoning under his belt. Uh, so that was huge from him. Otherwise, I think Vasco Fry, just in his debut, I think he brought a bit of snarl in midfield that was maybe lacking because I think Garcia's brought an experience, but he hasn't really been someone to, you know, he's, he's smart. He's, he's, he's a bit of an older player. He's not going to go out and be laying out these rock-solid tackles like he knows it's not worth it for his body at this stage. He's more positioning, more getting in front of the ball. Vasco mm-hmm. Fry maybe brought a bit of snarl that hasn't been there, and I think that helped Vancouver a lot, like right away. Ten minutes in, Fry absolutely put in a tough tackle. I think that that's sometimes the the, the work rate that Vancouver's needed at, at times this year. So that was that was a good sign from from him to 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 bring that immediately off his debut. Otherwise, the defense did well, Vancouver. And if I was going to shout someone from from Valor, certainly a few options. But uh, again, I think I mean Ran Yesley kind of led the way and 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 rescued some some points for for his team in key moments. Uh, and I think otherwise as well, it was, um, I think it was a solid showing for, uh, from someone like, you know, like a Marcelo Polisi in midfield. I think it's something where uh, despite their, them not being in control as much as usual, he was kind of everywhere and getting involved and getting in the fight. And, uh, you know, Valor needed that on the road and it, it kind of gave him a bit of energy. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Ryan Yesley in the team of the week in, in goal, as is James Cameron at left back, uh, who has, uh, you're absolutely right, AGR. He has uh, impressively managed to stay afloat in the professional game uh, as an 18-year-old, and I am profoundly sorry for that appalling pun. Um, but AGR, before we let you go, tell me what's next for both of these teams. We've talked about their situation in the table. Are they kind of getting into must-win territory? Tell me, uh, Tell me what's coming up next week. Well, this was must-win territory for me. I think they've yeah. gotten very fortunate because pretty much everyone in front of them dropped points. Uh, you know, like Pacific and Cavalry, the only teams to win this weekend. I think if you're Vancouver or Valley, you're probably pretty happy that's the case, right? That it's not an Ottawa, not a York, not a Halifax. So for them, it's just, it's win and string at least two or three together. And I mean, it's tough this weekend. I mean, for Valor, they get Cavalry at home. Valor is certainly going to want to to get back to winning ways. Uh, you know, that's kind of something where, especially it's been so unusual to see them lose three straight at home. So can they return to that, go frustrate Cavalry uh, and get a win and maybe build off that because they've got a few home games coming up. Then for, for, for Vancouver, it's, it's a tough one. Halifax away. And I mean, not many teams are going into Halifax and getting wins right now. Certainly Pacific been more of the exception to the rule with their, their, their win yesterday. So can Vancouver go just get something out of that one? They're, they're going to need a win. A win's going to be a tall ask. But look, Vancouver's played a lot better as of late. So no better way to culminate this great four-game stretch than finish off a fifth game with the win, I suppose. Yeah, certainly one that I will be excited to be watching. Alex Gongeruzic. Thank you so much for joining us. We're sorry that we uh, jumped the gun a little bit on you, but we are absolutely grateful to get you in here and get your excellent analysis, which everybody can read at campiel.ca and onesoccer.ca. But with that, AGR, we will say goodbye to you and we will bring back for a, uh, I don't know about triumphant return, but some kind of return from Mr. Mitchell Tierney, who has agreed to play an encore for us here at the end of the show. Uh, We're going out to Halifax 
the weekend wrapped up with a, a gorgeous day at the Wanderers Grounds on a holiday Monday, uh, a big sellout crowd, but it is Pacific that emerged the happier from Natal Day. Mitchell, tell us about this game. It seemed like a fun one. Just give us a rating out of 10 and, and what specifically you enjoyed about it. Yeah, I'll go with that. At an 8.5. Uh, you know, there yeah, was you're gonna want the mic there. there yeah, go. I'm gonna want hey, no one could see me, you know, so I, <laughs> I'm sure they could hear though. Um, yeah, I'll go with an 8.5. Um, you know, there was drama until the very end. Um, in this one, really, really well contested match. Uh, I think in, in writing the match report, I was pretty much ready to make significant changes up until the final moment as uh Halifax pressed late, uh, when. They went down two and then, you know, were able to, to score one themselves. And like you mentioned, a fantastic atmosphere in, in Halifax as well as kind of the backdrop to a match like this and a huge result for Pacific, um, albeit a, a bit of a controversial one, as I'm sure we'll, we'll get into. But, uh, you know, they play the vast majority of, of the rest of their season on the road. And so getting three points at one of the most difficult places to play in the league is, is an excellent start kind of to, to that stretch and puts them back uh, top of the table. Yeah, it certainly does. And that is a, a very important, I think, away performance from Pacific to show us that they can do it on the road. Uh, because as you mentioned, they are going to have to do that a lot. Uh, before we dive in specifically to what was good about the Tridents in this game, let's go back to the Wanderers grounds and we'll start off with the thoughts of their head coach, James Merriman. I think the effort, the mentality, the way that we approach the game from the start to the f- to right to the finish you know they put a lot of pressure on us in the end but we stayed solid we stayed together we defended well um we didn't give up too much uh, big 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 performance and and mentality from the group absolutely big performance big mentality mitch you wrote it was a textbook away performance after this game they are back on top of the table pacific are tell me what was working for them and what impressed you about this performance yeah, I think just the work rate uh, of the team, you know, again, in one of the most difficult uh, travel stretches for them to, to go across um, the, the country like that, to be able to put in a, a shift like that, you know, starting up front with the, the work that uh, Ongaro and Reed and, and Heard did pressing um, Halifax when they played out of the back, but then how quickly they were able to get back into that shape and be unbelievably hard for Halifax to play through for most of the match and you know kind of willing to to give up possession but then when they get the ball back you know they were positive and and vertical and able to create chances and goals as well so um yeah a lot to like there and then to be able to to see out the results when Halifax were really really pressing late and um you know a lot of performances to like there but uh, someone like Gazdoff who you know earlier in the season um maybe had a couple of mistakes that that cost his team late in matches um to to be able to to hold on there really look confident was you know a bright spot from the young goalkeeper who's you know, maybe starting to, to earn himself in that conversation for, for the starting role again in uh, Pacific. It seems like it, and he's, he's certainly making a case for it there. Uh, if you've made it this long into the show with us for 45 minutes, uh, you've probably been, you know, disappointed not to hear the voice of our fearless leader, Christian Jack. So don't worry. He is on the ground in Halifax, as he was yesterday, and he caught up with Amir Didich at the Wanderers grounds after this one. Christian Jack alongside Amir Didich. Post-game reaction brought to you by Allstate Pacific. Get a 2-1 victory here at a raucous Wanderers ground in Halifax. How are you feeling after that one? That was a big one. Yeah, it's a big one. You know, we after going after a, a horrible July, as, as we all would say in the locker room there, and, and coming out last week and picking up where we left off in the, in the beginning of the season, you know, getting the 3-0 victory and then coming here, we know it's going to be a tough game. 
Uh, Halifax is cruising right now. They're playing mm -hmm. some good football. They're picking up points, you know. So this was definitely a game where we need to come out from start to the end, you know. And, and that's something we've been struggling with lately is, is the starts, you know. And, and last week we started off well, and, and this week was okay, yeah. And, and yeah, brilliant performance for the boys. And, you know, it's a tough place to come out here and play with all these fans. Certainly is. They'd won five straight on the bounce here. You talk about playing from start to the end. Tell us what that's like when you're defending and you know they're throwing everything at you. They had Peruta up there, they had Morelli, they put Nimic up there at the end, they're putting balls in the box, you and Thomas and others are just heading them out. What's that feeling like when you know that you've been able to dug deep and be able to get your team out of that? Yeah, it's, it's, I, I know Tommy can attest to it too as well. It's the best feeling right. you know, when you're coming, you're in the lead and, and as defenders, as, as centre-backs specifically, you, you feed off of that, you like the end game and it's like up to you guys, you know, the back line to finish it out and... And that's something that we have been training every day as well too mm -hmm. with the back line, full backs, center backs, goalies. And, and it's, just the, it's just the result of the process we've been doing every day in training. You've won five away, away games now in five different markets. You still can win in Calgary and you could still go away and win at York. You'd be the first team in regular season history to go to all different markets and win. You've still got that clean sweep there. What's it about your team right now playing away from home that you see when you're defending and you're watching it in front of you? Yeah, it's, it's obviously we have a tough stretch here coming up with all these games away from home, but... Uh, it's something we look forward to as a team. You know, it's a challenge, and we're good with challenges. And you saw it last year as well. You know, when things hit the fan, we we we, we played better. We we, yeah. we rose to the occasion and, and such. So, yeah, we're looking at this as like any other game. And obviously, you would like to have your home fans there with you every single game. But again, just something we feed off of. And it's the last stretch. And and luckily, we're we're able to bounce back from that July, like I stated, which was very important for us. And and hopefully, we can keep going, keep working, and keep keep doing what we're doing last one for you you go to the top of the table again you talk about your home fans i'm sure you'll be wishing to play home games at home in the playoffs but what does this kind of atmosphere mean? this kind of game where it was very competitive what does that do for you to get your ready to team ready to go out and try and win a championship yeah it just sets the tone also and just how it's going to be late in the end of the season right because i mean we're going to have we might have a moment where we're back here again there right. might be a moment where we're going away again and we're fighting and the fans are or in a hostile mood, right? Such as today, right? You look around and it's buzzing everywhere. Even though you're focused playing, you still you still hear it. You feel the, the intensity when the tide turn, changes, when mm -hmm. when things start to shift as you felt it in the end, right? But that's as a player and as, as, as a team, you feed off of that. And, and yeah, I mean, it was just an excellent day for us. You mentioned it, a proper football atmosphere, a proper football game with two teams trying to play. Congratulations, been on the winning end of it. Got to the top of the table. Congrats Thank again. Thanks, Amir. Thank, Thank you. Composed and professional interview from Amir Didich after a composed and professional performance from Pacific FC, who spoiled the kitchen party on Natal Day in Halifax. Mitchell, let's get into the Wanderers, though. Uh, they had a lot of fight in them in this game. They came quite close at the end. Didn't quite get there, although I think they'll feel, and I believe we'll both probably agree, that they probably should have had a penalty just before halftime when Massimo Ferran was taken down. But Mitchell, give us your thoughts on the Wanderers' performance kind of as a whole in this game and, and tell me a bit about what you felt may have been a bit of a learning experience for them. Yeah, I, I think maybe two penalties, which makes it even even more difficult because uh, Gazdoff made some pretty big contact in the box yeah. uh, late in the match on Prutza. But, um, and, you know, I think the impact of what a penalty, you know, with Pacific was being so difficult to, to break down, what a goal then would have done. But, um, I think if you're Halifax, you know, you can't obviously control that. Um, so you have to adjust to those moments. And for a young team, this is a lesson in in doing that. And, you know, 
you look, they allow a goal almost immediately after where they basically switch off on, on a set piece. Um, and you know, that's exactly what Pacific's looking for is, is that moment to take the lead and, and build into their game plan. And then, you know, they come out of the halftime break, Joao Morelli almost immediately gets a yellow card for descent. Um, they allow another quick goal and then that's a mountain that, uh, they're ultimately unable to climb. So, you know, as things get more and more contentious and, and close down the stretch, they're going to have to work on moments like this, um, you know, be it to call or anything else that maybe doesn't go quite their way, not allowing it to affect them so much. And it's obviously difficult, um, you know, because it's it's human nature to to get uh, frustrated when, when stuff like this happens and, and stuff that's out of your control. But again, it is out of their control. And what is in their control is how they respond. And um, I think there's a lesson to be learned in, in how they do that from this match. Um, you know, by and large, their second half was excellent. There's a lot to like in Prutza coming off the bench. There's a lot of good coming out of Halifax these days. And I think this match doesn't put a damper on that. But yeah, uh, sometimes the losses can can give you tough lessons. And I think this will be one of those days. Yeah, definitely a very frustrating one. But again, a Halifax team that is continuing to grow and evolve. Let's go one more time back to the Wanderers ground zone. We'll get the thoughts of their head coach, Patrice Geyser. I mean, you know, Toussaint and uh, Sean and Manu, they're great. And I thought our three with Callum and Lorenzo and Andre, they're great. You know, when you lose a game 2-1 and one's off a throwing off a cross and a set piece and you score one off a corner, it just tells you how close a game it was. Nine, none of the three goals were scored from more than three passes. So obviously it was a very tight contested game. And I still think, uh, I think I just looked at the stats. I still think we made like four to 500 passes. We had 65% possession, but obviously you expect that being the, that we're a home team. So it was very good. I mean, as I said, you know, probably one of their strengths is the middle of the park. And they were very, uh, uh, you know, contesting everything and not a lot of energy to cover ground. So again, a lot of credit goes to them to come in here to try to disrupt us. Some good points from Patrice. I just looked at it. Uh, Halifax, 535 accurate passes in this game mm-hmm. and Pacific, 293. Uh, that's wild to me. And uh, certainly not a stat line you would have expected to see last year, I think. But uh, maybe a testament to how far Halifax are coming. But they did, unfortunately for them, lose this game. All right, Mitchell, one last call for your greats from this game. Uh, Patrice talked a lot about the midfield battle there and the, the two trios. But which players from either side impressed you from this game? Yeah, I think all three Pacific midfielders, um, as you know, Patrice was impressed with them as well, were, were excellent. Uh, Sean Young kind of maybe back to his best in terms of the chances he created. And, you know, that clipped ball over the top to Angaro on the first goal was, was beautiful. Um, Aparicio, he's always going to bring you that energy in the middle of the park. And, um, you know, if Ruben Del Campo's cross earlier in the, the week, wasn't the the cross of the week, uh, this or the cross of the, the season, even this from Manny Aparicio is probably up there as well to, to set up the second goal. So, uh, and then two Saint, honestly, one of the best number sixes in the league, I think this year in terms of his ability to, to play in that destroyer role. Um, he was, he was solid once again, you know, Angaro leading the the top, uh, Mayor Jaguar scored in Didich and just the work they did defensively. Um, and then on Halifax's side, you know, Dan Nimick, a player who, you know, is probably in the competition with Didich for, for defender of the season. He won 12 of 13 duels. He scored. They had him playing as a striker late in the match because of, you know, what he uh, can provide up top. So, 
Um, that was very impressive. And then West to Mateo, uh, you mentioned some of the passing completed. He barely put a foot wrong. I think he had like 85 of 88 passes completed or something ridiculous like that. He set up the goal, uh, an outstanding match from him. So players to really like on both sides. And, you know, um, I think from maybe the best contested match of the, of the weekend in terms of just the quality uh, that both sides presented. Right. Uh, Lorenzo Caligari had 133 touches in this game. And I think once we finish here, I'm going to go look into if that's a record or not, because <laughs> that is an insane number of touches. Mm-hmm. Timoteo, 117, by the way. That's also pretty nuts. Uh, four Pacific players in the team of the week this week, though. Josh Hurd, Manny Aparicio, Sean Young, and Amir Didich, all well-deserved. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't. I don't think they could fit any Halifax players in there because it was quite a competitive week. But... You mentioned Dan Nimick, Mitchell. He has been outstanding this year. He was good again in this game and scores a goal. And KJ was able to catch up with him as well post-match. So let's go back to the Wanderers grounds one last time and get the thoughts of Dan Nimick. Post-game reaction brought to you by Allstate here on the Wanderers grounds. Uh, A rare home loss for Halifax. The narrow loss over Pacific by two goals to one with star defender Dan Nimick who got the goal. Overall, Dan, what were your feelings after that one? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. Um, we obviously conceded that late goal in the first half, something that gives us flashbacks to early in the season. That was a problem we had, and, and we managed to fix it. Unfortunately, we just switch off. Obviously, there's there's things that happened before that that uh, obviously we, we can't talk about here. But um, So it, it was a bit of a tough one going in at halftime, and the first thing we said is we can't concede another. We're still in this game. We know we're going to score goals. We're a yeah. team that likes to score goals, so we're still in it. And then, unfortunately, we, we give up that second one, and, and it's a killer. I think the guys showed great fight to stay in the game at that point. I mean, if you look back to, to York at home earlier in the season, we might have, at that point, crumbled. But um, we showed good fight. We were able to get one back, but unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Uh, we regroup, and, and we're still confident, and we're still still looking to make a run in this league. Yeah, still in the playoff spots, home against the Vancouver this weekend again, so you get to play back on this pitch. You said you got one back, you were there. What did you see with the header? What did you see with that goal? You have a habit of getting these goals. What did you see with that one? A nice one from open play rather than your last one from the spot. Yeah, um, Jan and, and Jed uh, were talking to me before the game and they were saying one thing Kale and I need to add is is goals. We haven't, we, I mean, I had the penalty earlier in the year, but that's yeah. the only only thing we've from contributed. Pieces kind of thing. Attacking, yeah, yeah. so... So fortunately, I, I was able to get a free run and, and the ball was coming in nicely and I was able to attack it. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't enough in the end, but yeah, happy to get happy to get on the score sheet. It's a holiday Monday, Dan, and this crowd was fantastic, wasn't it? You've just been standing autographs for a long time after the game here. Um, I know it's your first season. The, the way that you're playing, it might be your last, but let's make, we'll see. What's it like playing in front of this crowd? It's incredible. Um, I remember when we went 2-0 down, I felt we. I think there was a feeling on the team that maybe we were letting letting the crowd down. They showed out in numbers as they always do, and then I remember hearing from the crowd, someone shouting, "Come on, Halifax, we're still in this. We're still in this," and and that gave me the confidence to push on and, and knew that we was they were still behind us, no matter that that we were two 0 down and they still were going to fight for us. So so it gave us the the energy to fight for them. And um, unfortunately, it wasn't enough, but I thought we showed good character to keep pushing to the final whistle you know Dan that's a fantastic point you know there's a really educated fan base here that's what football fans are about I mean you grew up being a ball burn at Ellen Road you know what fans are like there to get behind the team that's what they're here for isn't it to Mm -hmm. get behind your team and this is not just a a fan base that just shows up to eat and drink here they knowledgeable fans yeah I mean I think that's why we've had so much success at home it's it's honestly like having a 12th man out there 
um, they really get behind you and they, they give that energy to push on and, and keep fighting until the final whistle. And that's all you can ask for, really. Well, well many of them have been telling me today, uh, Dan Nimick, Defender of the Year nominee. So you keep up your great work in front of them. They know their football by obviously saying that. You've been terrific so far. Keep it up and uh, hopefully we'll see you in the playoffs as well. Yeah. Keep on the good run. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Appreciate, Appreciate you. it. Wonderful stuff from Dan. And it is very special to see those those packed out crowds in Halifax. It has been since year one. And I think uh, that is a crowd that is being increasingly rewarded this year with Halifax's home record. Not so much in this game, though. Uh, by the way, shout out to Dan for being very classy, uh, kind of dancing around the, the penalty call. But also shout out to our video editor, Michael, for overlaying the clip of it immediately. Um, so great <laughs> stuff on both ends. Mitchell, though. What is going on next weekend for both of these teams? Are they uh, are they busy? Do they have anything going on? Oh, you know, always busy, always busy. Yeah. Speaking of home matches, Pacific have their their only home match of the month as they host Atletico Ottawa um, in a match that you know is always tricky for them at Starlight Stadium, um, given Atletico Ottawa's you know propensity for coming there and being very very annoying. Uh, and uh, the uh, the Wanderers they face the other BC team. Um, Vancouver FC who they still have not defeated this season uh, or I guess in in club history so uh, that's something that they'll definitely want to to do and getting back to um, you know their winning ways at uh, the Wanderers grounds and they obviously play a ton of uh, home games towards the end of the season so those are kind of the dueling uh, narratives around these two teams as as they you know finish up the season and um, obviously both very heavily in in the race right now. Yeah, they certainly did not beat Vancouver last season and, and honestly didn't even show up. So um, <laughs> Terrible we'll see, performances we'll, against Vancouver We'll see last if it's season. a little better this time around. Uh, Mitchell, thank you as always. You agreed to play two sets for us today. Um, I know that it's hard to, to balance that with your, according to some guy on Instagram, job at 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> so we will let you get back to stocking the shelves right now. Wow. Going to go slang we, some slushies right now. Absolutely. Attaboy. Save one for me. But anyway, we will uh, bring up the standings here as uh, Mitchell goes back to work. Um, Pacific FC, as we've discussed, back on top of the table, two points up on Cavalry and a point clear of Forge, who have played one extra game, we should remember. Um, very, very tight, though. You know, we see this three-way tie between Atletico Ottawa, York United and Halifax Wanderers on 25 points apiece which is uh, just crazy. And then Valor and Vancouver down there at the bottom, trying desperately to get back into that picture and they'll continue to try it next week. But you know, for me, this is a pretty crazy race. We got to remember that five team playoff format now where every single point, every single spot in that, in that uh, playoff bracket is going to matter. So it is no longer uh, good enough for teams to just get into the playoffs because it, They'll be desperate to get one spot ahead, up to second, up to first, get that that play-in game, make sure they can they can host a play-in game or a, or a final. Uh, so we are expecting a pretty fun final nine or ten games of the season for every team, which begins next weekend, obviously, with the schedule. Valor FC hosting Cavalry on Friday night in Winnipeg, 7 Central, 8 Eastern, followed by a doubleheader on Saturday when Halifax hosts Vancouver. For Atlantic 3 Eastern, Forge hosting York United in a 9.05 derby that night, though, at 7 o'clock Eastern at Tim Hortons Field. And then on Sunday, we will wrap up week 18 when Pacific FC are back home for a, a brief repose before they go back on the road, taking on Atletico Ottawa Sunday, 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern. Uh, 
with that, we will have to bid you farewell. We will be back next week on Monday afternoon, live at noon, as usual, as we get back into a normal schedule, hopefully, and we will get you all set for the race to the playoffs. But for now, this has been the CPL Newsroom presented by Volkswagen. Goodbye.